Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. for tonight, really, not long at all, it's just literally, just the title for you, Encourage the Discouraged, I feel like I want to come and encourage you, I think about in the book of Acts, and if you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts 16, <clears throat> Acts chapter 16, I, th- I think when I look into this, this uh, I preached around this before, uh, actually I preached this, not this message, but in some of these scripture texts, um, and one of the generals of the and faith that I love so much had, had touched on a topic one time, and it stuck with me, and it's never left me. And we always love midnight with Paul and Silas, but what happened before midnight? Um, when, look, look, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'll just read. So Acts chapter 16, I'm going to start at verse 23. Now, let me set this up so you kind of have an understanding of what's going on. Paul and Silas have come to minister in a specific location. Um, And it's interesting because there's a woman named Lydia that was a seller of purple that started a church on a bank. I don't know where the men were because to honestly start a church, she actually started a prayer meeting. And for for those that really shoot bullets at women having the ability and the opportunity to speak in the church, here's a woman that Paul partnered with and a church was birthed. You see it throughout the the New Testament, and I'll I'll just leave it at that. But she starts a prayer meeting because you need a quorum of ten men to start a church in New Testament. I mean, this is according to the Apostolic Council and Paul and Peter and all of those, that there has to be 10 men that would start something. And so they, they partner with this lady. She's going to the place of prayer. They encounter a, a woman that has a spirit of divination and uh, um, that's, that's uh, beginning to make all of these, these uh, declarations about Paul and Silas. These men speak for God, and she's going on and on. It's flattery, and Paul, and, and that's why you need a spirit of discernment to seek and see what that thing really is. So is it honestly from God or is it just a, a, a spirit of divination? Well, anyway, so Paul gets tired of it, turns around, casts the demon out of the woman. Well, she's out of work. And so her handler says, well, I'm not making any more money. He says, who did this? And these are the two guys, Paul and Silas. They bring them before a council. They judge them. Then they beat them. They beat them to a pulp and they throw them into an inner prison, which is where we are now in verse 23. And it's, oh man, I want to go somewhere and I, gotta, I'll, I'll, I need to read this first and then we'll backtrack a little bit. Let me read verse 22 for the sake of the crowd joined in the attack. Anybody ever had the crowd join in on an attack on you? You know what I mean? The crowd joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them. Paul and Silas, they stripped them naked and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows... 
They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. I mean, these men haven't done anything but just make declarations. The enemy hates it. He hates the gospel. He hates not just the preaching of the gospel, but the demonstration of the power of the gospel. Because there's a lot of people that stand up and make declarations on the gospel, but there is nothing to follow what they're saying. It's just it's just words that have no power. We cannot be a church that 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 can say the right things, look the right way, read the right thing. I mean, just look all the parts, but not have any demonstration. That's why you need to know Scripture, because it's not just knowing your Bible. It's knowing the God of the Bible that can function through you. Everybody in this room has been called to function in signs, wonders, and miracles. The scripture says in Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believe. I'm sorry, side note, there's a rabbit. I just shot it. We'll move on. But I I don't want to be powerless. I don't want to be able to know the word, but not understand the power of the word. I want to be connected through intimacy to the Father so that there's something flowing in me. There is a power. There's a demonstration behind what I believe. And we all have access to this. It's not just a couple. It's everybody can play at this, okay? goes on and, and it says that, um, And having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. They're bound. They can't, they can't move. But now about midnight, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of God, of praise to God. And the prisoners... We're listening to them. I don't think that we really think so much about what's happening, of being thrown at, beaten first. You've been stripped of your clothes. You're down to just, let's just call it your whitey tidies or your lowen cloth is what they were wearing. And they're, they're stripped down to their underwear and they're thrown into an inner prison. Their feet have been fastened as if the beating of the flogging wasn't enough. We don't know what they beat them with. The Romans were experts at executions. They were experts at beating you within uh, centimeters of your life and just uh, uh, allowing you to suffer. One, one passage of scripture that the Apostle Paul talks, talks about, O wretched man that I am. You know what that's a reference to? The Romans in Romans prison. Now this, these are Romans soldiers and prisoners or prison uh, prison keepers but romans would to make you suffer uh, even worse and bring you into a place of, of death they would chain you to a dead corpse while it sits there and rots you talk about your mentality you think about what you're having to experience right there they would do that that's when paul says oh wretched man that i am he's looking he's been chained to a corpse and studying certain commentaries and certain things. But that's what I just want to give you a little bit of a, of a prison experience because what I want to do is tonight is to encourage somebody that is very discouraged. Discouragement is such a, a demon of destruction. I don't want to call it a demon because it's, it's an attitude. It's somewhere the enemy sows seeds into our lives and we begin to water those seeds. And this discouragement, it can, it can come in a way of an offense. Uh, it can come in, well, I didn't get that job. I didn't get that pay raise. I didn't get this. So I, I, you feel like you've been left out. You feel like you've been rejected. So discouragement begins to set in in some way. And regardless if it came and it's something you personally, uh, it, it, that, that maybe it was, yeah, it was, I, I'm, how, how am I trying to say, I, I'm legal to have this discouragement or if you're just taking the victim mentality. Regardless of what it is, you're in it. And we need to figure out how to get you out of it tonight. 
So we're looking at a couple of guys that were in the lowest place that any of us have. We've never been to this point, but these guys are in that place. And so you may think as we even read through this, the scripture says at midnight, at midnight, they begin to pray and sing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains unfastened. And I'll stop right there and I want to backtrack a little bit. Now, when we read this and we say, and it says at midnight, you know, whether it was right at 12 o'clock or whatever it was around that time, regardless of what it was, we, we, we think, oh man, it's because midnight to us is a time that we don't like to think about. When they say, I'm in a midnight season of my life. Well, there's a lot of places in Scripture that at midnight, things begin to shift and change. You're probably at a point that maybe it's just one person tonight that's in a bad spot of discouragement. But you're at a point you feel like it's the darkest, the darkest and the gloomiest time of your life. But midnight is where some great things can take place. When you track through all of Scripture, God... Uh, he ordains time. It's a kairos moment. It's a God-ordained time where he breaks through and begins to take whatever you're experiencing and you've held on as long as you can. And all of a sudden, he just turns the thing around just like that. It just shifts in a moment and, and you're revived again. Your, your courage comes back. Your strength to fight and to stay in it. Your faith is increased and then your trust in him goes through the roof because you've seen him come through. We grew up hearing a song all the time. He's an on time. God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he, he'll show up right on time. He's an on-time God. He comes whenever he knows the best time for you, and he'll break through in a moment and shift it and turn it. We've seen it many of times. You know, I think about the story of Lazarus, and he, he waits two more days, and Lazarus dies. And we always talk about Thomas. We say, well, Thomas was a doubter. Thomas was a doubter. But if you read John chapter 11, he tells them, he says, Lord, let us go down there that we would. He's, they said, Jesus, if we return back there, the other apostles and disciples were saying, if we go back, they're going to kill you. And Thomas says, Lord, we're going to go with you. Let us all die together. Does that sound like a doubter to you? He was broken and he was discouraged. If you, I'm serious. Because people say, well, he doubted that the Lord even appeared. He said, no, no, no. If you're telling me he's alive, I want to touch. I, wanna, I need to touch him. I'm, the, I'm from the show me state. Show me. And then not just the show me state. I need to touch him and see if it's real. And he showed up to Thomas and he said, Thomas, touch my hands and my side. So it, was, it wasn't doubting Thomas. Maybe you can call it that to an extent. But he was broken because he was discouraged. But in a moment's time, he said, my Lord and my God. Experience, encounter. There was something about the encounter that shifted. And in a moment, gave him courage to get back in. And we know that Thomas went on to carry the gospel to India. If you ever read in Asia and India, Thomas was responsible for that. Isn't that awesome? That, that, that one encounter changed the rest of his life. And when we look at this and we say midnight, again, you think it's a dark season in our life. And maybe it is because it always seems darkest at midnight, right? It's, that's the darkest point. But that's amazing how God always comes through at midnight and about midnight. And, and we know midnight to be 12 o'clock. That's midnight. And you may think, well, 
the Bible doesn't say that there was an 1155. It doesn't say there was an 1156, a 57, a 58, or 1159. It just says about midnight. And some things in the Bible, this is what you have to understand. Some things are so evident they're absent. Are you with me? We don't, before midnight, what was going on that made them hang on to know that something's going to change? Did Paul and Silas even know that? They had a word. That's all they had. The Holy Spirit spoke and said, go here. And they went on the word, obedient to the word. 1159, guess what? They're singing. They're praising. They're praying. They're prophesying to one another. They're singing hymns. And they're hurting. They're swollen. They're busted up. They're bleeding. Both of them are. And they're probably trying to encourage one. Silas, just hang on. I'm sorry that I brought you into the mess that we're in right now. But I know if I know my God, if I have encountered the the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, if I know anything about him, he's not going to lead me to the end and not not pick me up, not not be there for me. And even if he does, Silas, I'm going to tell you this, to be absent from our bodies, we're going to be present with the Lord. He was an encouraged. I, I just believe that Paul was. Now, did he have his moments of doubt? No doubt. No doubt. No doubt that you're in a prison and it's dark. You can't see anything. All you can hear is the wells and the screams and the travails of other prisoners that are scared and worried to death. The smells that you're smelling, the the experience, every bit of it looks deathly. It looks real grim and there's no way out of this. But what is it? about Paul that he just began to lift his voice and sing and praise and with his hands shackled to his high that he could lift them and just begin to praise. God, I praise you. That's why when we're in service, some of it, it's not a feeling. We just went through this whole series on praise. Praise is not a feeling. And, and people say, well, I'm an introvert, Pastor. No, 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 no. No, when I praise, I'm not saying you have to run aisles, but I lift my hands. It's not because of you and it's not for you. And I don't need to do it because I need some emotional whatever. No, I praise him because he is so worthy. He is so amazing. If I can encounter him, then I've tasted and seen that God is so good. So praise, they're praising because Paul has tasted and he's seen. If you can't. Praise at 1159 when the nothings are happening. You'll never experience the miracles that you really want to see. I'm just telling you. If you only praise when the miracle shows up or when the breakthrough comes through, then, then what, what, what have you learned? You've learned to worship the, the, the actual happening than the God of the happening. Are you with me? I don't want to worship an experience of, an, of a happening, the breakthrough of the money coming to my doorstep or the breakthrough of my marriage coming. I, I, listen, I'm thankful for those things. But I want to put him in his rightful place and praise him before any of that stuff ever begins to show up, before the job promotion begins to happen, or before the spouse that God's designed for me to have shows up. I want to be in worship before that ever happens. I don't want him to think that I'm putting something else in front of him or worshiping him because I need some of these things. He's not, my, he's not a cosmic vending machine. That's not who he is. Some of us, we have such an atmosphere of negativity, A.J. Fowler, around your life at times. And, and what happens with an atmosphere of negativity? When you're breathing those threats out of your mouth, mindless, like hey, nothing ever works around here. This stuff is ridiculous. And, blah, 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 and you're just constantly spilling all of these things. That, and, and this is going to be a bold statement, but I'm going to say it. An atmosphere of negativity always leads to murder, death, and destruction. Why? Because you're, you're, you're bringing death to your future. 
You're bringing death to, to, to where God is trying to bring life into your. He came to give life and that more abundant. So I'm responsible for the things that's happening around me. If my children are straight, and we, we, we hit this. I mean, hey, parents, you got kids? I'm never going to tell you anything about how you raise your kids because I'm not eating my words. I've watched too many people eat their words on trying to tell others, well, you just need to do this. Nope. I'm just, you, you do you. We're going to do us because we're not eating our words. Learn wisdom. We've learned wisdom, and we're going to keep that. This will also cause you to destroy those God has sent to bring peace. Because God, you think provision is supposed to come in a check. Whenever God sent it through somebody in a relationship. I'm going to preach to some of you. It will cause you to destroy those that God sent to you to bring peace, direction, or provision. They may not have a physical thing in their hand, but their presence was meant to bring you something that you needed. The relationship, the conversation... The, and, and it may lead to something more. Not that we're looking for that, but God is bringing provision through relationships. And many of us push them away. We don't want anybody coming around. We don't, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm up. Yeah, you're broken and busted, and, but, but somebody's trying to come close to you. Show yourself friendly so you can have friends. You don't have friends, why not? Why are you not friendly? Show yourself friendly. It's okay. But God's trying to bring provision through somebody around you. I'm telling you. I want to encourage you if you're in a discouraged place so that you can turn around and be an encouragement to somebody else. It's 11.59 in your life, and I want to encourage you at 11.59 and tell you, keep lifting your hands, keep praying, don't stop. Because Paul and Silas, they're doing all the disciplines. At 11.50, nothing's happening. They're praying. They're prophesying to us. It's going up. God, we got a word. The word said to come here. And here it is, and we're going, to, and they're, they're praying, they're, prop, they're singing hymns. Um, I don't know if they're, listen, they're not singing the red spine hymnals that come out of our UPC church, okay? I said UPC, but that's just what I know. Or your Baptist hymnal, or your whatever, your Methodist hymnals, or whatever. They're singing hymns unto God. They're lifting up psalms, I believe, that King David, I believe they're lifting them up for the Lord. And you know what's interesting about this? They don't have a hymnal. They don't have a screen. What did they have? They, were, they learned these songs in the daylight and began to sing them at midnight. Some of y'all, when the lights go out in your life, you don't have a song because you haven't been practicing it in the daylight. you got to get this thing in you in the daylight. Because if you're going to encourage those, if you're going to encourage somebody, because God wants you to be an encouragement to somebody else. He didn't want you to stay in the state you are, but move. Move. Keep moving. You can't stay here. you got to move. Did you know that God does not care to make you uncomfortable? Did you know that? He does not. Why? What's the Holy Spirit call? Come on, somebody. Yeah, I, some of us are comfortable. I don't want to say it. <laughs> he called, he's the comforter. Why? Because he knew that God was going to make you uncomfortable and you needed a comforter. And he was going to come alongside you and say, I know the Father's prodding you. I'm your help. Come on, you ever heard that in church? I need my help. <laughs> you know what I'm talking I grew up hearing that. Where's my help? My help coming from the Holy Spirit. So you're going to need that from time to time. Discouragement. Let me talk about this briefly and we'll move on. <clears throat> when I think about discouragement, there's others in Scripture. Let me I'm going to bounce to Elijah the prophet for just a moment. You think about Elijah the prophet. Elijah has just performed the greatest, one of the greatest signs, I don't know what you want to say, outside of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. 
and all the signs that God performed. He caused fire down upon the sacrifice, and it consumes it completely. Even the ground was charred. And the, all of Israel is worshiping Baal. They fall to their faces and say, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And, and, and Elijah turns and looks at the prophets of Baal. And he says, Seize them. And they kill them. 450. Jezebel. Enter Jezebel. Jezebel gets word of it because Ahab is mopey and moping. Boy, I could get on some Jezebel and Ahab spirit. I'm going to leave it alone because I'm stirred right now. <laughs> But there is this combination with both of them. And Jezebel gets word because she's a control demonic spirit. She gets word and she sends them. Now this is what I don't understand. She gets word and instead of just sending someone to kill Elijah. She says give me a messenger. Send this messenger to Elijah and tell him we're going to kill him. Why don't you just slip up to him when he's over there. uh, When he's coming off down the mountain. Going down to the well to get him a sip of water. And just slide up behind him and end him. Or whatever. Trample him. Run him through with with a spike or something. No, she sends a messenger. Did she have intentions to kill him to begin with? Probably so. But why do that? Why send a messenger to say, hey, uh, Jezebel's going to kill you? Because she wanted, the enemy loves to see you tuck tail and run after God's used you in a mighty way. Because here's what happens, and you have to be aware of this. On your highest of highs, when, when you, God has used you to minister to your family, to your co-workers, to your friends. When God's used you in a mighty way in whatever your gifting or your calling or talent, your ability is. When the anointing of on that and you're at your highest point, there's coming a lowest low. And that's where the enemy loves to throw us and thrust us into a place of depression. And some situation will come up and it'll make us want to tuck tail. And the scripture says that Elijah was afraid and he ran. And he found himself under a tree and was praying for God to kill him. I'm done, God. Elijah, you just called fire down from heaven. You just did all this stuff. And now you're hiding under a tree and you're saying, God, kill me. And then he falls into a bad state of depression. This is, this is where, you know, God approves Sleeping and cake. <laughs> I just got to say it. I, I enjoy cake. My daughter, you, we, we have to spell cake at my house. We have to say, man, I wish I had some C-A-K-E because if Emerson hears cake, that's all she talks about. She loves it. So, but, but it is. He's, I mean, Angel brings him cake. He has to kick him and say, hey, man, here's, eat, some, eat some cake. Sleep some more. Eat some cake. But he's in this deep, dark depression. He's discouraged. And it wasn't until all the encounters he had in the cave and and then the still small voice, God begins to get him out of the cave. But then guess what happens with discouragement? He links him up with somebody. Gets him out of the cave and where does he send him? He sends him down the road and links him up with a, a young man that was to be his spiritual son and his successor called Elisha. He throws his cloak on him, and now he's got a spiritual son because God doesn't want you doing this alone. He, won't, he links Silas with Paul, and Paul is encouraging him. He links Elisha with Elijah and says, Elisha is the prophet that will wash your... He's not even known as Elisha for a long time. He's known as the servant that washed Elijah's hands. Because God wants you to encourage somebody else and lift them out of that place. Because they're at 1159. They haven't made it to midnight yet. Midnight's not bad. Midnight's not a bad place. It's a place of transformation. I, I, I gotta, let me keep moving. I, really, I, I, could, I could really dive deep into this. 
But I think I'm over explaining myself, so who knows? Discouragement always comes into our life and begins to say, I was wrong. I was neglected. My critics won't stop. You don't understand, Pastor AJ. Guess what? If your critics aren't stopping, then why should you? Why are you stopping on this journey? It ain't time for you to... I'm talking to somebody that's in a bad place and you, you're just, woe is me. Get up. Let's move. Your critics aren't stopping. We're with you. We're for you. If God be for you, he's more than the world against you. Anybody? Sometimes... I'm fixing to set some of you free right now. Everybody's been rejected. By the way, one of the most freeing things that I've ever done, I've just done it again, is get off social media. So I haven't blocked anybody. I've already had somebody ask me. No, I haven't. I promise. I just got off. AJ's got it now. You're the man. I released that blessing to you. Um, <clears throat> here's the thing. Sometimes people's rejection has been God's protection. I'm going to sit for a moment because I want you all to think on it. It's Wednesday night and you're tired. Sometimes people's rejection has been God's protection. If you walk into that relationship or that circle that you think is so important to be connected with and to... That could have been the very thing that drew you out of the house of God into a deeper and a darker place. And God said, I didn't intend for you to be that. I didn't intend for you to run with them. I severed ties specifically because if you ever connected yourself in deep, you would change who you were. And I don't want you doing that. I've called you to be a specific type of fit and that's not it. So God had to keep you and pull you and draw you out, Moses, uh, for a, series, a period of time, sends you down the river so that he could connect you into the house of Pharaoh 40 years so that you could learn some things, expand your capacity, and then I could release you into another place. All right, I'll move on. Just listen to the podcast if, you, if you're missing some of this. And guess what? If God has called you to lead, listen, I want to talk to some of you. Some of you, we've got some leaders in this room. I'm just I'm. Ex- extravagant, exquisite leaders, men and women of valor, you just cannot see the value of who God's called you to become. If God has called you to lead, let me tell you something. You'll be one of those who bleeds the most. You don't bleed on people, but you're going to bleed. Now, that sounds very bad. Anybody ever heard of Sam Chand? I'll give you a little leadership side note. Sam Chan is one of the most, I love listening to, to Pastor Sam Chan. He's, a, he's big time into church leadership, but he is, God has used him in signs, wonders, and miracles. It's, it's powerful, church growth and all that stuff. Sam Chan wrote a book called Leadership Pain. Every one of us are leading to some capacity, and God calls us to lead. And guess what, leaders? We're going to be bleeders. We're going to get cut from time to time. We don't bleed on our own people. I don't bleed on you. Well, this is all going bad. Y'all don't need to hear me get up and say, man, I tell you what, you just don't know what I've been through this week. I've been fighting the devil ever. You know what I mean? You don't need to hear that. If that is, that's true. But guess what? I'm still moving forward. What if Paul would have said that? I've just been beaten. I've been stoned, left, thrown in the ground, and I'm just this bad, y'all. I'm just telling you. Nobody would have been like, who is it? He's talking. What kind of gospel is that? That's the gospel of Paul, uh, Saul by himself. It's not God. Where's God in this whole thing? 
We're leading, so therefore things are going to come. It's going to cut you. People's going to say things that's going to bust you and rip you to shreds. But you've got to be one of those that Paul said, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear unto myself, for I have a gospel to preach, and I'm going to see this thing through. As he talked about in Acts chapter 20. I don't count these. None of this stuff matters. Let them say what they're going to say. The only thing that matters is what he's thinking. How do I encourage the discouraged? How do I become an encouragement to those who are broken. How can I keep praise in a moment of pain? You got to learn how to praise through pain. Anybody, you got to learn that. There's times, it's one of the, I've said this before, but one of my favorite pastors just watched him uh, just from a distance. I don't know him personally, obviously. I've met him a few times, but I watched him bury his wife and I watched him as, as she was taking her last few breaths, but she had cancer, and she was laying there, and one of his grandkids snapped a picture of him with his hand lifted up, praising God. God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to give you that sacrifice of praise because it's a time that I don't, it's too much confusing. I'm in the midst of death. I understand I can't give this to you when I get to heaven because there's none of that there, so I'm going to give it to you right here. But he just worshiped and had his hands lifted as he watched his wife take her final breaths. I want to be one of those that I can whatever I'm telling you that I'm practice that's who I am I want to be that person so that you can say hey we can do this together God didn't call you to run by yourself if you want to go fast go alone the old African proverb but if you want to go far go with somebody else go with it with others don't do it by yourself you're not called to walk by yourself hope that makes sense Paul's in a prison. I just mentioned this a while ago. I don't know how long he's been there. It wasn't he was thrown in and then this, you know, a few days, you know, overnight, everything began to change. The scripture doesn't tell us how long that he was in this place. If anyone has an excuse to be discouraged and felt abandoned and rejected and left alone, it's Paul. He's the one. Previously, before this prison experience, Paul tried twice his best to go through two different areas. Get ready. This is important, okay? I'm about to land the plane. But the Spirit forbid him one time and then would not allow him the next. You ready? I'm going to give you the two scriptures. If you're taking notes, please do this. In Acts chapter 16, verses 5 through 7, watch this. We'll read this. So the churches were being strengthened. I love this. And where he was previously in the faith. And guess what? Look, they were increasing in numbers daily. There was the, the, the churches were increasing. They passed through Phrygian and the Galatian region, having been, look at that, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. They wanted to go east, but God would not let them. It's like Paul kept bumping his head uh, against the hand of God. And then it says, next verse. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not permit. So the first time it forbid them, the Holy Spirit stopped them. And then the next time, the Spirit of Jesus stops them. So they're bumping their head and they can't go where Paul's like, but, but this is where I feel like we need to go. I feel we need to go. I. Right? Now you're, you're catching it. So I want to talk to you really quickly about direction. Because to encourage those uh, to, to encourage others, you've got to become one that understands the direction of God. Can't fall into discouragement, and you need to understand direction. Direction. They wanted to go east. You know what? I think if Paul would have... Now, this is me, the gospel according to AJ. And I know that's not... I want to be a heretic. heretic so if it's on podcast, whatever, forgive me. I'm not trying to... 
as I read this, I think if Paul would have tried uh, to go again, I think, and God would have said, okay, I'll back off, and I'll go ahead. Go for it. Once you want to take something out of God's hands, I think he'll let you have it. But it wasn't until he bumped his head twice that he said, oh, wait a second, something's off here. Silas, let's, let's rethink our direction. Some things are forbidden. You know what that means? That's a stop sign. Some things are just not allowed. What does that mean? That's a slow, that's a slow down sign. But you don't just keep trucking when God says no. Yeah, but God, why can't I have that? Why can't I do this? Why, 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 why? Eventually, God will turn you over and let you have it. I believe he will. He'll let you have it. You do it your way so it takes your own strength instead of supernatural strength to keep that thing going. It's a word of wisdom to somebody. I know it is. You want to do something in your own strength, it'll take your own strength to keep that thing going. and You'll drain yourself, and if not, kill yourself. I want to tell you a quick story about there was a, 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 there was a pastor I read about in a specific order or a book that I was, I was reading. and was talking about that he wanted to be a prophet. He desired to be a prophet. But he didn't have that gifting. That, that was not an office gift that was given to him. But, he, man, he killed himself, try, literally killed himself trying to function in that gifting. And he had so many different men and women of God that prophesied to him and said, Pastor, that's not what God's called you to do. I'm talking about just like, just out of the blue would prophesy to him and tell him. But he, he kept pursuing it unto his own depletion of strength and eventually his death. If God has not called you into something, you better not walk into it. I don't care. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care of all the confirmations of man, but what has God said? All right? So when God says no, he means no. In Acts chapter uh, 16, or yeah, 16 and verse 10, we see in this when Paul says, when we had seen the vision, so we bumped our head twice, and all of a sudden Paul has a vision, and immediately he sought to leave Macedonia. And immediately, when he has the vision, he has a dream, he gets the word, the man said, come over here, we want you to come minister to here. Get ready, I'm fixing flip it over into this. Paul had a vision, he had a word, but what's the next thing? Many of us have been that's all I need. I got a vision, I got a word, let's move forward. We're good to go, let's move this thing. The next thing that Paul does is he takes it before his council. He takes it for, even though he had a word from God, and, and it, that he felt a vision and a word, he still takes it before his council. There is an order of men, elders, those that can speak wisdom into his life. He submitted himself to so that he could function in what God had called him to do. Because this sets up the direction for him to go into a region where he's going to be imprisoned. You got a vision, you've had a dream, well whoop de doo who is the counsel that you can bring that up underneath that has wisdom that can speak into your life and say, I don't know. I don't know. I understand. Maybe the timing is off on this thing because God is a God of time. At midnight, not at 1159. Yeah, but at 1159 I had this vision and all this stuff began to line up. All the stars begin to align. Yeah, you might be going there, but it may not be time for you. So the, the wisdom and the counsel and, the, and those that you're supposed to have around you that can correct your, your, your focus and your heart and make sure that your, your, your focus is right, that they help you to step into that with a fullness. Does that make sense? So what I'm trying to tell you is, is that God puts apostolic order into your life. 
There's an apostolic order to how God, because Paul's an apostle. And there was an order that God had for him to move into. Here's my question. Who's your covering? Who covers you? There's a lot of, this is, we're seeing a lot of, uh, uh, even just, there's older ones as well, as well as younger ones that are, I got to wear, I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go and I'm going to start this and do this and do this. But there's been nobody to cover them. You, I believe in the apostle and the prophet, the covering over our lives. They're still active today. Paul submitted himself unto them because it says right here, he sought to go, which means he sought the counsel of the elders to say, This is what I've got. Can we do this? And they released him to go forth and do it. Does that make sense? Who's your covering? You had a dream? You got a word? That's amazing. Who have you been submitted to? I'm not talking about the, those that would, that would put their thumb on you and press you down. I'm not talking, y'all know what I'm discussing here. I, I believe it's important, it's vital. But who have you submitted yourself unto? And allow them to shepherd your personal soul. I know the pastor is crazy to say that with that. But I'm like, i got to tell you that. It's Wednesday night. I'm speaking to your life and be a little pastoral. Because here's the deal. The fruit. We hear a lot of these people. Well, I've done this and I've done this. And I've, I've, I'm just using ministry for a moment. Well, I'm an apostle. Well, that's great. What churches are you overseeing? Well, you know, and then they start stumbling around. I've had this. Where's your fruit? Your fruit of staying somewhere, planning yourself. Where's your integrity? Where's your character? Where's your wisdom? Where's your love? Where's your mercy and your grace? Where's your long-suffering and your patience? Where's your self-control? How's your marriage doing? How's your family doing? Are your children? Or what's, how's, how is that going? We look to a name and we look to highlight reels of somebody's Instagram accounts, but we don't look to see how healthy their marriage is and how healthy their children are. We don't look to see the fruit of the Spirit. We like to see the highlights God's called you. Listen, it's okay, mom or whoever you are, dad or, or single, whatever you are. It's okay to plant yourself and just be faithful where you are. God will open the door. God will find you. Listen, if he can go to the backside of nowhere and find David tending sheep when nobody knew who he was, and even his own dad threw, threw him out and said, go tend the sheep at 12 years old with bears and lions and all that stuff. He can find you, I promise you. Give God time. Give him time. I'm trying to encourage you. Do you know God loves to move at midnight? Stand to your feet. Did you know that? God loves to move at midnight. Midnight in your personal life. When you feel all by yourself, there's no friends around. You can't text anybody because nobody's answering or replying back to your text. You see where they read it, but they don't respond back. If I've ever done that to anybody, God forgive me. <laughs> I'm serious. But they're not responding back. Children of Israel were in bondage and had been for 450 years. Listen to this. Guess what happened at midnight? They applied the blood to the doorpost. Quickly, get out of your house. We're leaving. Grab your stuff. There wasn't a feeble person among them. So Papaw, and I've said this before, Papaw that had the bad back, that, that had the degenerative dip, you know what I'm talking about, the disc in your back that's missing and all that stuff. All of a sudden, they all appeared. He stood straight up, popped all the popped, legs, feet, all of these that struggled, couldn't get around well, they all walked out of their houses. And at midnight, 
the blood had been applied. It's the blood. That's why I talk about, I am on a kick. God's brought me back to talking about the blood more than I've ever done before in my personal life. I plead the blood. Jesus, thank you for the blood. Why? Because it forgives me of sin. It's been applied, and it allows me to come into presence because I love presence. I'm a junkie for presence. I love it. Presence, presence, presence. I love presence. Christmas presents, too. Really enjoy it. But it was the blood that was applied. We don't know how long that blood had been there. Their deliverance didn't happen the moment they put the blood on the doorpost. We don't know how long it was there. But in God's time, the blood was activated because the death angel passed over. And they hit the road into the place of deliverance. At midnight. You're at 1157. Some of you. Some of you are at 1158. A lot of us are at 1159. And you're about to be at midnight. But pastor, midnight is the darkest. But that's where God loves to move. That's whenever my faith is seen to run out. And God says, I got you. Paul, just sing. Keep singing. I love it. Keep, keep doing it. I thank the Father. And I told our worship team before prayer. We were in a song. We were singing. And I closed my eyes. And it's just like I, I just saw the Father lean his head back on the throne and smile with this smile of there was no rush. There was no. It was just a smile that he loved to hear what he was hearing come out of our team for practice. He was just listening. And so I believe that whenever you lift your voice, the Father just leans his, his head back on the throne. And he smiles, patiently waiting for you to keep singing, keep praising, keep praising. Why? Because it's doing something to you. It's doing something to your heart. There's, there's this, this faith that's beginning to rise in the midst of doubt and in the midst of confusion. Well, is God going to come through? But he doesn't understand when I'm, I've just lost this and I'm missing that. And this is not happening the way it was supposed to. But I just keep singing how great you are, how awesome you are. I keep declaring the praises of God. Let the praise of God be. And, 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 and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, through all of your praise, the clock begins to shift and strike midnight and all of a sudden the prison begins to shake the foundations of the prison and the doors begin to pop open and it's not until all of a sudden all of a, uh, the God stands over you and he says stand to your feet and as you're obedient to the word as you stand to your feet the shackles fall off your feet like they did with Peter and he walks out of the prison un, unscathed and untouched that God says it's time it's about to strike midnight, but you got to be able to praise through the pain. you got to be able to praise through the struggle. you got to give Him thanks regardless of what they're saying down the road. you got to have courage and know that it's the joy of the Lord that becomes my strength. Where does joy come from? It comes from a heart that says, I'm going to praise regardless of whatever happens. I'm going to praise. I'm going to praise. Please, never let the circumstances you're in dictate the level of your praise. Don't ever let them change it. Some of you need to, tonight, tomorrow, sometime this week, close the blinds in your house. When everybody leaves, turn up the worship music as loud as you can turn it and just start dancing. And just start praising. I don't feel like it. I don't care. Do it anyway. Watch what happens. Just start praising. At midnight, Samson's behind the enemy's gates. Y'all know who Samson is? 1158, nothing's happening. There's no supernatural might coming up on him. 1159, nothing's happening. But at midnight, he grabbed the gates. Do you understand what gates stand for? 
You know what gates stand for? Power. And the gates of hell, the power of hell shall not prevail against the church. That's a pressing forward church that's not standing still. But at midnight, he grabs the gates. He grabs a hold of those demonic forces that was coming against him. And it's a, it's a prophetic picture for us and, he, and, and of the city. And he takes them all the way up to the hill of God. God at midnight is getting ready for some of us. I'm tell, I feel this in my bones. There's a supernatural strength and anointing from the Holy Ghost that's going to come upon some of us at this midnight trans- transition. At midnight, you're going to gain strength. But you've got to praise through the pain right now. You've got to be one that praises through the pain. Because God says, I want you to encourage the discouraged. Don't let the seed of discouragement take root because it's going to destroy the future that I've got set for you. Father, right now in Jesus' name, lift your hands before the Lord. If that's you, I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for strength. I pray for courage. I pray for boldness. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God to come upon your people that are at 1159, and they've been praising, and they haven't seen an answer. They haven't heard anything. They haven't seen anything yet. Just as Elijah's servant, Elijah said, go down and check. He went down six times and came back with a handful of nothing. But on the seventh time, he came back and says, Elijah, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah says, that's all I need. I got the answer. And he goes back and girds himself up and sprints back. Because he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. All you need is a word that's confirmed. And you believe that tonight, in Jesus' name, you're moving from 1159 to midnight. Where your praise has unlocked your prison. And the power of God is going to begin to move in a mighty way. In the name of Jesus. prophesy that over you in Jesus name let the the gates the power of the enemy that he's come up against you with let them be destroyed come on I want you when you lift your hands it says you're lifting those gates up before God and saying God I raise this not R-I-R-A-I-S-E but R-A-Z I raise the power of the enemy I destroy I declare that through my praise it's a weapon that destroys every barricade Every gate, every chain, and every bondage, and every prison, the enemy is built around me. And I will not sit in this dysfunction anymore. In Jesus' name, I pray you would be loosed. You've been loosed in heaven, so in Jesus' name, be loosed here. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom of God. Freedom in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.